Welcome to the Practice Advantage Podcast. I'm Dr. Justin Manning, and here on the podcast, I interview experts from within and outside the eye care industry on the business management topics and advice that matter most to you, your practice, your patients, and your success. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Practice Advantage Podcast. Not a day goes by that we don't hear about the staffing and labor challenges facing our listeners. Finding good people is hard. Keeping good people is hard. You think you're providing what your employees need only to quickly lose great talent to another industry, business, or opportunity. To help us face those challenges, my guest today is Chris Tuff. Chris is one of the first advertisers to work directly with Mark Zuckerberg and launched one of the very first viral videos. He's an incredibly sought-after expert on driving purpose with employees. He's the author of The Millennial Whisperer and Savior Asks. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Cheddar, Good Morning America, and Fast Company. His work has impacted numerous Fortune 500 brands across the world. Chris, we're super honored to have you join us on the Practice Advantage podcast, and thanks for being here. Yeah, fired up to be here. Chris, I'm stoked to have you on the Practice Advantage podcast. As I shared in the intro, not a day goes by that we don't hear from our listeners how tough it is. The millennial generation of full transparency, I am one, is the largest population in the workforce. So I have to ask, how did you get the nickname The Millennial Whisperer? Yeah, I mean, it's what actually inspired my book. I have, uh, I've been a partner of an advertising firm with 400 employees and, you know, took actually me hitting my own rock bottom at age 36 that in that moment I decided that I was just going to put really all my time and effort into our employees and 99% of them were millennials and gen are millennials and gen zers and it was about 7 months after me really diving into my team that I introduced myself on this executive retreat 14 entrepreneurs um, up in North Georgia around the fire and I know how to introduce myself because, you know, up until that time, I was really I was the digital social guy. Right. And I said, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Chris Tuff and I have an ad agency and I don't really know what I am anymore, but I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer. And then I went and shared my story and it was it was super interesting because then I sat down by the fire and these guys all look at me with big eyes and they're like, man, these millennials are the worst. And then the next one's like, yeah. Half my millennials have VP titles because that's the only way I can keep them. And they just kept talking about all these things. And I was like, guys, I've actually got some pretty good tactics. Here are a few ideas that you can start um, bringing to your companies. And the last person goes, Chris, you got to write that book. Uh, a guy named Tommy Breedlove who was leading the retreat. And I went home and the uh, speed the the seed was uh, was was planted accordingly and i went on and wrote it in about four and a half months worked directly with uh, my alma mater vanderbilt university and a variety of um kind of data sources 72 of them and uh, put together a book that really 
was the backbone being millennials aren't the problem. They just expose a lot of the problems. And uh, it's interesting because I published that pre-pandemic. And now I got a notification recently from my publisher. They're like, Chris, it's a bestseller again, because it's actually more relevant now than it was before. So we can dive into any of that. Well, I mean, I'd love to drag this out for our listeners on the podcast to, you know, make sure they stay with us the entire time. But, but all right, what, what is it? What, what is it about millennials? You said they, they, you know, people feel like they're, we're the worst titled, selfish, disloyal. What's the reality and, and how do you shift the way that you look at millennials, because a lot of our listeners, they employ the majority of their, their, their team members. I hate the word staff. The majority of their team members yeah, are millennials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the big things that um, I, I run up against, the biggest thing, here's the biggest issue that us as practice owners, leaders, entrepreneurs, however you want to describe yourself as, the biggest thing that you have to change is this idea that, well, I had to do it this way. Why don't they? Right. And that, that, and that's the big, when I'm working with these companies or, you know, I've done a lot of work in the dental space, that's the biggest hurdle that we have to overcome. Once we overcome that, then the rest is easy. And, and when I say easy, I, I look at two levers that we can really start changing. One is organizational and two is leadership. Okay. And the organizational lever that is the money kind of slide is when I start talking about work flexibility. Right. And I understand within eye care, with that being practice owners, being in the industry that we're in, a lot of times work flexibility needs to be seen through the realm of really not just um, being able to work from where you work. People need to be actually in the office working, similar to dentistry. So we have to overcome this idea that we need to compete with the peer groups of those younger employees because they're going out on Thursday nights now because none of them have to work in the office. So how are we creating more flexible schedules for them, right? So actually having up Monday through Thursday or at least allowing them to feel some autonomy in that choice around work flexibility. The other piece in work flexibility that is super important is that we play to people's passions, right? And then the biggest thing that I would say now three years from publishing that is the greatest takeaway for what I've learned within these organizations is that boomers and Xers generally feel that you got to work to work, right? Passions do not play a role in going to work. You got to, you got to the golf course on the weekends to itch that passion. And the younger you get in the millennial set and then younger millennials into Gen Zers, the more of an expectation that passions exist within your own four walls and in your practice. And if we're not scratching that itch, in some form or fashion, then we are not going to be able to retain our employees. And so what that looks like in the realm of work flexibility, I use an example of a company out in California that on your one year anniversary, you can create your own job description with the caveat that you just have to sell it into everyone else on your team. And, uh, 
And if you sell it into them, then that becomes your new job. They have a 99% retention rate. And I, I ask audience members, I'm like, okay, guess the company. You can guess right now if you want to guess. It's in California. Take a guess as to what that company is. Probably. I've heard you give this before. So okay, I, yeah, I won't shoot. give it away. So you it's, tell it's, it. Yeah. You tell it. Yeah. So most people are like Uber, Facebook, you know, Twitter. And it's actually Morningstar Tomato Farms. And it's within their warehouses that they have this. And so we've got to expand our viewpoint of work flexibility. That's the, so that's organizational, right? Understanding what we can do in that work flexibility domain. In the leadership domain, it comes down to a few characteristics and categories that we can dive further into if you want to. Um, but it's, it's really inspirational leadership, autonomy, and transparency. All right. Those are the big three. And if we're not actually working somewhere towards those each one of those things, then once again, we're going to fall behind. And if we just make a few tweaks, you're already going to beat the competition because most people are doing it wrong. When you talk about those, let, let's talk leadership for first, for example, what do those three pieces look like in a practice? How do our listeners, and, and, let, and, let's, and let's be honest, I guarantee there's a lot of our listeners going, that's great. But as you said, yeah. with, with boomers and Gen Xers, work is work. I'm here. I'm paying you to be here. First, before we dive into the leadership piece, what does this mean in tangible, in essence, why should our listeners be focused on this? What does it mean in the end, not just from a retention standpoint, from a talent perspective, what's that mean to their bottom line? What is this actually worth? If you had a, somebody saying, yeah. I'm not doing it, this just doesn't make sense, you're here to work, what would you tell them to to change that well, mindset. We, I mean, as practice, I mean, within your industry, within our industry, you, you, you have a couple of levers that you can actually dangle, right? And the first one that we go to are, you know, nicer facilities, like free snacks, um, or money, right? Money benefits. And so what ends up happening is you have a heavier reliance on that lever when you're not providing in one of these three areas. So you end up overpaying for talent, that you could actually get much cheaper if you actually had a culture that people wanted to um, be a part of. And culture is a byproduct of good culture is a, a byproduct of good leadership. And it really does follow these three main characteristics, inspirational leadership, autonomy, and transparency. And I mean, I'd say the underlying um um, piece of all of that is having a genuine connection with your employees, taking a vested interest in their life. But even if you take inspirational leadership, and I've worked with a few doctors that are super introverted and they're technicians, right? They just want to be in the chair. And I had a guy come to me and they're like, Chris, like, listen, dude, uh, you talk about inspirational leadership. You told me about LAE, which is low ass energy, which is the opposite of inspirational leadership. He was like, I got to bring HAE, but I got no energy. So how do I do it? And I was like, doc, here, here's what we need to do. What about using music? I mean, we all have our all hands meetings on Mondays usually, right? How are you setting the vibe for that? thing. What about if you use music? And and uh, his name's Trey and he's out of Charlotte and a young doctor, right? And he goes, um, I think I got it, Chris. Let me report back. And he calls me six weeks later. He was like, Chris, 
That is the greatest tactic for uh, LAE and inspirational leadership you've ever given. And here's what I'm doing. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm actually getting goosebumps talking about it right now. He goes, okay, so what I do is I play Shaka Khans uh, at 7.30 every Monday morning before our patients come in. I play Shaka Khans, tell me something good. And that's the sign for everyone to go to our huddle room to then tell me something good. And everyone then tells me something good. And it just sets this amazing energy and vibe. It takes zero energy units out of me. So I can still be my introverted self. And I said, trade dude, that I love that. I'm going to start using that as an example. But as we look at inspirational leadership, the truth is, is that a lot of us aren't inspirational. So what are those things that we can use that are within, you know, from a tactical standpoint within our um, kind of um, bucket that we can dip into to start creating more of these pieces, right? And we can dive into autonomy and transparency as well, if you want. Yeah, let's let's do that. And I think our, our listeners can probably get a decent idea of what autonomy may look like. They may have a hard time giving some of that autonomy away to their team members. But I, I do want to drill into the transparency piece. What does transparency look like in a practice? And I know you, you've talked quite a bit already about the experience you have in, in dentistry. There's a lot of similarities in, in eye care to, to, to dentistry. What does transparency look like yeah. for our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So transparency is either misinterpreted of one of two sides of the spectrum of transparency. It's either misinterpreted as vulnerability. And I'll get these leaders that say, well, listen, Chris, I'm not going to cry in front of my people, right? I'm not going to do that. It's just not me. I'm like, it's not vulnerability. You're misinterpreting that. Or they go to financial transparency and they say, I don't want to show where our profit margins are and how much everyone's making and what each person's hourly wage. I'm like, it's not that either. What transparency is, what your people want is context. Why are you making making the decisions that you're making. And as Gen Xers, I'm right on the cusp, but I am a Gen Xer. We were generally brought up to you shield your people from any of the things that are bad. And that went out the window with millennials. And what they expect from you is context. Why are you making the decisions that you're making? So let's just say patient count is down month over month or um, something bad happens. You need to talk about those things. What what isn't working, right? What actions are you putting into place to actually address these pieces? They need that data. Why are you investing in certain technology and getting rid of certain positions, right? Talking about that and giving that an open environment where your team can actually understand the full context as to why you're making those decisions. That's what they're craving in terms of transparency. And I do think that autonomy is something important. Like, you know, I really struggled with bringing autonomy to life as well. And my favorite example of autonomy is was taught to me by a guy who was called out by Forbes as the number one boss for millennials. His name's Ben Kirshner. And he goes, Chris, have you ever seen uh, the Under Armour commercial Protect This House? And I was like, uh, kind of, I don't know. Uh, tell me more. He goes, well, First, you got to ask yourself, do you have a house worth protecting? Because if you watch that commercial, it's all about the team coming together, protecting your house and getting all fired up. And like, we will do anything to protect this place, to protect our turf, to win, right? And so 
first you got to ask, do you have a culture worth protecting? If you do not, then you've got a culture problem that you need to fix, right? If you do have a house worth protecting, then you got to push it on your people to actually protect it. So whether it be unlimited paid vacation uh, or even taking and spitting out a bad culture fit, right? Put it on your people to actually do that for you. And that's hard as a leader that especially the way that a lot of doctors are structured there, that this is a very difficult thing to actually comprehend and implement and what I've seen in dentistry. But once they do, it's like a holy, wow, like this truly does work. And it takes time off of me. I mean, it's, it's less time that I actually have to implement with all these things. You know, we can talk about rewards and recognition as also a good tactic within that too. Um, to alleviate some of these these pieces, really, especially around that genuine connection and inspirational leadership, too, because I've got some good examples. Oh, man, there's so much that we can. Uh, there is so there. much. We, we don't, we don't have time. I mean, we're probably going to have to do more of this, but I, 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 I don't want our listeners to miss some of the, the just critical takeaways that you just shared. First, on the transparency piece, transparency, it can be financial transparency when it makes sense for the business and, and for the culture and for the team. It absolutely can, and I would argue to some capacity needs to be some level of vulnerability when it drives that personal relational connection amongst the people on the team. But really, it's the context. It's why are we making the decisions that we're making? And to the autonomy piece, when you include people in the, the 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 process of making decisions for the business, when you include their ability to impact the success of the business and the success of the practice and how you're taking yes. care of patients, hundred percent, it's unbelievable. I don't think that we can really comprehend when both of those things are done well, tied to the back to the inspiration where our practices could be in a year, in six months. And, and, and I always laugh, like, I'm lazy. I want pe the people that I work with to take ownership over their area yeah. and tell us what we need to do. I don't want to make those decisions. You go, you tell us what we need to do. You tell us how we make this better. And that's the expectation. So I, I, I really, I don't want our listeners to miss those two critical. And in the financial transparency thing, like this is the money discussion, right? Which is where we've seen the greatest success with dental practices is moving to bonusing programs that are very specific um, as to what it is that people need to hit and then what that payout should be. And and actually, I mean, uh, in a lot of cases, plastering it to a wall. So there's no questioning about it. And one of the biggest fallacies that I run up against is this idea that millennials or Gen Zers are super sensitive and they can't take feedback. That's not true. They just want feedback grounded in data in almost real time. And the best way to wrap all of that stuff up is by actually creating a very measurable and tangible bonus system where everyone wins. So we don't even have to get further into that. I told this on a previous episode, I was walking out of a, an event at Vision Expo West, and there was you know, two unrelated individuals standing on the, the street corner talking, both millennials, and I just happened over here, one of them just very, in a just very disappointed manner to say, I just know I'm not going to get any feedback. And again, no context of the of the conversation, but I knew it had related to work. Like 
Guys, this is what people in your practice, this is what your team members crave. They want to know, am I doing well? They want to know, am I not doing well? And if so, tell me how I can do better. That is the type of people that I can guarantee you already have a majority of them in your practice. And take advantage of that. Ah, this I get fired up over this stuff. And I mean, and and you know, it, it can't what as I look at dentistry and the application of any of my stuff, like one of the other pieces is this, like where I've seen the greatest impact is with this genuine connection piece, taking a vested interest in the lives of your team members, right? Not associates, your team members. And so one of the things that um, I talk about is the art of the flyby. And the art of the flyby is where you give some of that feedback, right? But it's also where you ask that person how they're doing. And it's also where you... Uh, one of the more controversial things I say that people should do is follow your people on social media just so you can go in on a Monday and you can say, dude, uh, Meg, like that, that trip you went on to the mountains looked epic. Like, where was that stream? Meg's going to be like, whoa, like uh, Doc is actually ex- like interested in me and he's taking a vested interest in my, oh yeah, sure. And then they light up, right? And the same is true in that same flyby. Don't wait for the quarterly review or whatever it is to give some of that feedback grounded in data and feedback can be positive, right? So once we actually take down that line and I had a, a, a doctor out of Boston, his name is Tish and uh, Tish turned to me, he goes, Chris, I, I'm going to question you on this whole social media thing because I don't want my, um, any of my, anyone in my practices, he had three practices uh, to know that like, I drive a Ferrari. <laughs> And I don't want them to know uh, some of these other things. I was like, listen, just do it for the data and the art of the flyby. And he goes, okay, Chris, like, let, let me report back. And he reports back. Now, two years later, he just said this to me earlier in the summer. And he said, Chris, that was by far the greatest impact that's ever that you've ever had on me. Because now I also moved my desk outside of my office next to the punch out clock so I could force that flyby. So that interaction and by far, Chris, that is the biggest impact that you've been able to have within my business because I now culture came out of that. Right. And, you know, that connection, people aren't quitting like any of my peers in my market. Right. And so. I think that's another thing that is really, I've seen to be really impactful in your space uh, around just like taking that genuine interest in our people. And, and that's a product of really parenting, right? I mean, Gen Xers were sitting at the dinner table being told what to do. It was very authoritarian. Whereas millennials and Gen Zers, it's like, so who'd you hook up with this past weekend? It's a totally different environment. And so when these younger people come to our practices, they expect that same relationship with their boss. And when they don't get it, they're like, well, I don't really care. what These guys don't even care about me. So I'm leaving. Right. And so that's important. I think we put culture up on, you know, I don't want to say pedestal, but we put it off to the side as like, Oh, that takes so much work. It's so difficult. It's like culture. We have to have this big cultural strategy and what are we going to do? And then, then you go down this rabbit hole of, you know, snacks and entertainment and these things then, and when you boil it all the way down, it's connection, it's relationship, it's feeling a part of feeling a part of what the practice is there to do and knowing that each team member has each other's backs. Exactly. And on the flip side, if it do, if it's not deserved, then that person is out because that uh, like the, these, these pieces are not as difficult as I think we make them out to be. 
which for our listeners, it gives them, I think it, it gives them some confidence to do things just a little bit different tomorrow and start building deeper connections with their people. And it's worth it. I think that's the other thing is that investment is so worth it and it costs zero dollars to do. And if it's not you, right, let's just say you're a massively introverted tactician, right? Find the right person to either bring into your practice to offset that and be that person or learn how to do it yourself. Like that, th those are your only two options. The other thing is stop relying on some of these other tactics, whether that be money or like free lunch Fridays, because what's going to happen. Actually, there was a doctor that did this. Um, that was a part of our mastermind. And, uh, they were like, yeah, we, we, we stopped doing free lunch Fridays after it was literally the third Friday that people, we're asking, wait, pizza again? Really? Like, like, what about salad options or like vegan? And it's like, you know, no, like that's not what people want. You can have the crappiest office with the crap. Like all, if you do some of these other pieces, you won't have to be reliant on what I would call band-aids and the, the wrong things to then dangle. So much great stuff for our listeners. Chris, I can't thank you enough for spending your time with us, sharing your expertise. Obviously, there's so much more that we can unpack. But here on the Practice Advantage podcast, we believe that leaders are readers. What are you currently reading? Uh, so right now, I um, have, uh, ha have you heard of Naval Ravikant? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. So Naval is this guy. Uh, it's So it's the Almanac um, by Naval Ravikant. And um, it's someone that actually took all of Naval's tweets and put it into a book. And it is one of the greatest resources anyone could ever ask for. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that's what I'm currently reading. And then, you know, I'm currently, most of the stuff that we talked about today was the millennial whisperer. So definitely pick up that book, lots of application for everyone. And then, and it's broken down in a way that you read it and then the tactics all follow at the end. So you don't even have to read it. If you're like ADHD, like me, uh, you just stop, you know, figure out where your issues and then jump ahead to the make it happen section. And then I've got my new book, save your asks, which is all about how to better network and sell. And so as you're looking at building your patients, getting more people through the door, um, it's really connection outward versus connection inward. And so I'm super excited about that. And we'll put links to all of those books in the show notes for our listeners to check out. Chris, this was a blast. Thanks again. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. If you've enjoyed the Practice Advantage podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to take your practice to the next level for the sake of your patients, your team, your community, and your bottom line, give us a call. 1-800-959-2020, option three. See you next time.